We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, the DFS version. We are still alive in the playoffs. I am Scott Jensta, joined, as always, by Andrew Laird. Uh, Andrew, it's the playoffs. It's week 18, I guess we call it. Uh, we're still here. There's a lot of DFS. Uh, best thing about DFS is that it still goes on in the playoffs. We can still have fancy football in the playoffs. But uh, how are you this week? I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, you know, I mentioned it last week's another year where I don't have to worry about the Jets in the playoffs. So um, I get to just, you know, dive all in on I some do, other team. I do have to worry about the 49ers in the playoffs, but luckily not this week. That's right. See, that's the best. The best. I have no oh. idea what that's like, but it sounds really nice. Uh, it's been a long time since I know it was like, but uh, it was fun. That uh, that Seahawks game on Sunday was uh, was quite the quite the loud occasion in my house. It was uh, there was not a lot of uh, quiet moments in that fourth quarter. It was a really solid win. Like that's that's a no matter like how good or bad. I mean, they're obviously good this year, the Seahawks. But like that's a really tough place to play. Yeah, I may have uh, I may have accidentally dropped an f bomb in front of the in laws on the last play of the game, but uh, you know life goes on. Oh, that's all right. I thought you were going to say in front of your daughter, and I'm like, oh, that's that's always a tough. Uh, one. Oh, I'm sure she was. She was probably somewhere in the house. She was not in the room at the time. But, uh, so sports time. make us do so, some fun things. Yeah, no, no doubt there. So uh, we have the we have the wild card week. The fun thing with these first couple of weeks of the playoffs, we have four games to uh, to pick from. So it's not quite uh, not quite a showdown slate that the the Super Bowl and the AFC NFC Championship game kind of get into. Um, just a note on. So we'll t- be talking about kind of the Saturday Sunday slates. Uh, DraftKings their their main games uh, seem to be like the four game set. FanDuel has split up a little more. They have like a their main game seem to be like one Saturday, one Sunday. They do have some Saturday Sunday crossovers, but the bigger games seem to be the one day things. But I think uh, if you are okay with that, I think we'll kind of go with the overall slate as the general feel here. I mean, as somebody who primarily plays on DraftKings and uh, yesterday got suspended from FanDuel, I'm perfectly fine for that. <laughs> I I wasn't going to bring that up, but I, <clears throat> I, I'll let. You know. <laughs> I I am still waiting to find out like why I was suspended. I it's funny because I. I don't play on FanDuel that much, so my guess is somebody got into my account and decided to start playing, and they were like, whoa, 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 you don't play this much on FanDuel. But, um, yeah, I like contacted them, and they said within 24 to 48 hours I would find out why my account was suspended, and uh, it's been about 24 now, and I have heard nothing. So we'll find out if I'll play on FanDuel this weekend or not. 
So when I do note a FanDuel salary, I'm going to use the I'm use the crossover the the four game slate uh, salary. The salary is a little bit higher. Uh, to be expected on the two-game slate, just because you you know want to make it not so easy with the, with less games. But uh, when I do notice salary, it will be for the for the four-game slate. Just a heads up on that. So uh, let's do uh, just just look at the overall slate real quick. Uh, look at some over/unders, some spreads. Uh, the first game of the week, we have uh, Buffalo at Houston. Houston favored by two and a half. Over/under forty-three and a half. It's the first AFC game. Other AFC game is Tennessee at New England. Has suddenly got a lot more interesting after last week's developments with the, the Patriots losing the Dolphins. New England fair by five and a half over under of forty four in that game. Uh, do you have a preference in that in that between those two? Is one that maybe could get uh, a little back and forth in high scoring? Uh, I'm going to say Houston Buffalo. Okay. Uh, I just uh, think that the Patriots are in a very good position just to muddy that game against a team that previously used to get wins by muddying them up, but. Uh, I just have way too many experiences of thinking that the Patriots are done only to see them not be done. And <clears throat> Bills Texans, I think is, you know, we have the Bills are obviously very good defensively, but they're strangely able to put up some points sometimes. And the Texans, we know that um, are able to do that when when they're on. So I just see that one being a little more high scoring. Yeah, I agree there. I think that, that has a feel of a little bit that could go back and forth more right. than the other games. It's why you look at the Patriots have allowed eight touchdowns uh, to other offenses all year at home. So that's eight touchdowns in eight games. The math there is pretty simple. But it's wild. You look at this Tennessee team. Since week seven, they lead the NFL in yards per play, and they had a TD on 36% of their possessions. So it's wild. In terms of if teams of offenses who are beyond sneaky right now, I mean, I think that, you know, that, that sneakiness has gone away. Everybody's talking about Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. But uh, they're, they're quietly, like, the best offense in the NFL in the second half, uh, maybe behind the Saints, but, like, top three for sure. Which is nuts. Like the Ryan Tannehill-led offense, yeah. I mean, you would have to expect that. I mean, the whole thing with the the Patriots' defense over the years is like Belichick identifies, you know, the 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 one offensive part that he wants to take away. Which is funny that everybody like gives him credit for that, as if like other defensive uh, teams aren't like are just sitting there like let's just stop everything. But like, you would have to think that Derrick Henry is the focus of that defense, right? You would think. I mean, you think you focus on Derrick Henry, let Stephon Gilmore guard AJ Brown, then right. you know let everybody else uh, beat you. And it's, uh, but I don't. I mean, that New England offense is just so bumbling right oh now. I mean, gosh. Julian Edelman is, feels, feels more healthy this week, which is which is a good sign for them. But I mean, they were seventeen point favorites last week in a game that mattered against the Dolphins at home and lost and couldn't stop Miami late. It's, uh, I don't know, that's a real problem. That was not like a oh we we don't need this game that much. I mean, that was a huge game. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we referenced this on a podcast a few weeks ago, but that's that game was literally the first time ever in the regular season that the Patriots lost at home um, with Brady and Edelman playing. Edelman was obviously banged up, but like, um, I don't know. It's it's I, th- th- this Patriots team is like unrecognizable at this point. Uh, obviously, the the wideout talent beyond Edelman, who's banged up, is just probably the worst that Brady's ever had, and so. I mean, if if there was ever a time for a team to go in there and win, it's now. But it's still, I mean, it's still Bill Belichick, right? And just and just so we're clear, that was not a real stat. Was it not? <laughs> May feel like it for a Jets fan. Wait, that really wasn't. I they saw never a whole list. It was on the internet. No. Interesting. They must have lost. They they lost a couple games, didn't they? They must have lost a couple games. Not with both of them playing. That's what it was. So I figured you were just making one. that up. It feels like they never lost. No, I mean, maybe the I, there was a huge, it was like, I mean, the, the list wasn't nearly as long as you would expect it to be, but like, right. it's still, yeah. I'll have to go back and see if that was true because I'm pretty sure. Uh, that I, might have to check, I might have to check that one too. Yeah. Uh, NFC, a little more of a, I think the sexier matchups, they're yes. both on Sunday. We have uh, the, the Vikings, I almost said the Twins, the Vikings at the Saints, <laughs> New Orleans match seven and a half, over under 49 and a half, easily the highest uh, to Vegas total in this slate. Um, the Saints have just been cruising since Drew Brees came back. He's been on fire. Uh, Saints only ele- only seven turnovers all year long. I found that pretty wild. That is crazy. Wow. I mean, I, I know that Teddy Bridgewater took no chances, and Drew Brees is obviously excellent with the interceptions, but uh, I think that's only three or two or three fumbles too, which is which is pretty wild. Yeah, that is good. Then we have uh, we have the Seahawks uh, headed to Philly to play the Eagles, the the banged up Eagles. They're getting a little bit healthier, but still pretty banged up. And now Miles Sanders has the ankle injury from last week. Uh, Seattle's favored by a point and a half. The one uh, road team that's favored this week over under a forty five. There, uh, these are this is the one game where the teams did play earlier this year. Seattle won seventeen to nine, an ugly game mm-hmm. in week twelve in Philadelphia. 
Yeah, Philly's a weird like I, every time they win, I'm just like, how did this team win? Like, I just don't see where they. And that's somebody who was like ready to play Carson Wentz in cash last week, but um, Carson Carson Wentz is really good. Yeah, yeah. Although every time he makes a mistake, I feel like Twitter's filled with like he's actually not that good. But um, yeah, a lot of those are, a lot of those are Dak Prescott fans who think that Dak's better. So there's a lot you, of that. Did you happen to see the uh, Carson Wentz shade throwing on Instagram from uh, at Dak? No, I missed that. Dak posted some picture or something like that, and it was uh, whatever it was. And Wentz was like, "Oh, you don't have plans this weekend?" <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, that's all. Uh, I love it. So, so, so let's jump into these slates. We got four games. You know, obviously, uh, much, uh, much, much fewer players to talk about than we normally do. But uh, you know, it's it's still it's still a fun little slate, and it's one that I think that uh, if you can figure out. Which of the three non-Saints games might get a little back and forth is, is a good way to win. I think that's Seattle-Philadelphia, but uh, we can talk about it as we get into it. Let's start with running backs. Uh, weird week for running backs. There's just not a lot to pick from. There's there's like a pretty clear big three. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and Derek Henry. Um, priced as such on DraftKings, Henry's 8200 Cook is 7800 Kamara is 7400 uh, Do you have a preference that you're going to be building and starting your team with among these three? Because I think these will be clearly the three most popular, uh, at least from any anybody above like 6000 Yeah, the the one that seemed to fit the most was Kamara, just in like builds that I was putting, which um, we... I think we've made our opinions felt previously on the podcast of how much we like to trust Alvin Kamara in lineups. And um, it just seems like he's oh, never like he, he goes off when I don't have him. And then when I have him, he's awful. Um, it's really the matchups that put him ahead, though. I mean, playing home against Minnesota is obviously much better than playing at New England or at New Orleans. And so, I mean, you would think that Henry gets his plenty of touches, but ultimately you know i don't know there's the, the belichick thing just drives me nuts because it makes it just skews how i f- think about everything uh which makes me think like maybe henry is just not worth it if he's getting, you know even if he gets 25 touches um paying 8200 on DraftKings for that uh he's really expensive on the FanDuel single game i think or single he's, day excuse me he's, yeah he, he is on the dual day too he's 9300 on the dual day oh, okay that's what i was looking at so um, he's 95 on 95. The, on the yeah. So it's just like, you really have to want him if, if that's where you're going. And so cook obviously is, has been banged up, um, should be fully healthy at this point, but just matchup wise, um, in terms of like who they're facing, the, the implied total, like Camara makes the most sense of the three. Do you know Which how many, uh, them. running backs have a rushing touchdown against the Patriots this year against the Patriots? Uh, rushing touchdown. Right. Uh, zero? One. Gus Edwards in week seven. Huh. Is that crazy? That's they get crazy. A one rushing touchdown running back all year. I mean, some of that is fluky. I get that. But that's an absurd stat for over 16 weeks that no – like, you get running back to the two-yard line, they're going to score. That happens. But one all year. Yeah, I mean, like six games against the Jets, Bills, and Dolphins helps, I guess. But that is pretty wild. Yeah, I, you know, Kalen Balazs is not going to score against the Patriots. I get that, but that's still uh, still pretty crazy. The other uh, running back score touchdown was Duke Johnson. He had a, he had a receiving touchdown. But Henry's wild. I mean, he had the huge game last week. Stole the rushing title from Nick Chubb right at the end there. Two hundred eleven yards. He has one hundred forty plus yards in four yeah. or six weeks. We talked about one hundred yard games a lot. Kind of it's a round number, but one hundred forty plus is just another level for a running back, especially in today's NFL. Uh, he's the one guy that game script could hurt him though. Him both him and Cook. Uh, I think Cook. Even if they get behind uh, to the Saints, he's going to be so involved in the passing game, they'll still stay involved. Henry, not really catching a ton of passes. If they get behind, you know, they start to throw the ball. Maybe he could get game scripted out, but he's so important to that team. you got to think they stick with him as much as they can, and that's the way that they're going to try and beat New England. But um, I think I agree with Kamara. I just uh, – I don't know. He, he worries me a little bit. You know, the touches are never huge, but um, you know, it's wild. You look at Henry. Uh, hasn't been over – or I mean, look at Kamara, sorry. Hasn't been over 50 yards rushing since week three. Hasn't run for 100 yards all year long. Hasn't had 15 carries in a game since week five. I mean, that's a long stretch where he really has not gone off. He had the two touchdowns the last two weeks, so I get that he's done really well fantasy-wise there. But uh, doesn't really have any big football games, like football or fantasy, since like week three. But like going into this game, do you think his ceiling is higher than Henry and Cook's? Uh, probably just because if they get ahead, like he's the guy that could score three touchdowns and, and put up a bunch of yards. Um 
I think I like Dalvin Cook a little bit more in a full PPR kind of setting just because I think that he's the one guy that even if they get behind, they're going to pass the ball to him a lot. Uh, my concern with him, obviously, is his shoulder. He was not the same guy at the end of the season. He was he was 47 carries for 144 yards last four games on the ground. So just hasn't been good. I'm hoping the couple weeks off helps. Uh, but the problem with that is matchup. Like you mentioned, um, the Saints still haven't allowed a 100-year rusher. It's now up to 42 regular season games. It's still, it's still Samaj P. Ryan in week 11 of 2017. Um, so I think Cook with the upside is probably the highest. I think Kamara is, de- Kamara is definitely the the floor guy and the safest guy. You know, he's going to put up numbers. They're going they should be winning this game. Um, you know, they're so good at home and they're rolling right now. Um, I think in a in a cash format, I don't know if anybody plays cash in the four in the four gamers. I know people do. I prefer Kamara, but I think in a GPP, I'm probably taking uh, taking a shot on Cook. I mean, Cook doesn't get game scripted out. Like if they fall behind, like he'll be there catching yeah, passes too. Pretty- so like. That's key. In a playoff game, there's no reason to like take it easy on them. Uh, you got to think they get you get a full complement. The, 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 the path to winning this game is is Dalvin Cook controlling the ball, controlling the clock, and you know keeping Drew Brees from you know throwing six touchdowns. But uh, uh, the shoulder worries me a little bit. I mean, one bad hit, and all of a sudden we see we see a lot of uh, you know the backups. And Mike Boone looked good last week, which is kind of funny because everybody liked him the week before. But um, I think in a GPP, I'm going uh, I'm going to go Cook in a, in a cash game. I prefer Kamara. The the odd thing is is that. None of them profile as a guy whose team gets up big and they run them into the ground. Yeah, like, that's true. Obviously, the Saints could get up. I mean, they're favored by eight and a half. I think that's what it was. Um, but like, if they're up ahead, they're not going to give Kamara twenty-five carries like they have Latavius Murray also. And yep. I, I don't see the the Vikings running out the Saints uh, as they're up, obviously in the same game. So then you're like, do the Texans? Or excuse me, do the Titans? put up enough points against the Patriots where Henry gets 30 carries because they're running the game. I like, do you see that? Where is that in the realm of possibilities? Uh, I mean, I think they have a good chance to win this game. I don't think they're going to be, you know, up milking the clock the whole second half. Yeah. But I mean, if they're up seven at any point in the, in the third quarter, I mean, you're going to see a lot of Derrick Henry. Yeah. I just, I, the upside is, is tough with Henry. He's so good, but it's just that this defense is so good too, that uh, it just, and you can see a game where, New England gets up 13 to three and all of a sudden it's Ryan Tannehill chucking the ball a lot too. It's just, uh, I see a lot of paths where Henry is, uh, I think he needs to score a touchdown to do really, to do really well. And that's, that's always dangerous. Do you think that's enough? Like, it it seems to me that it's going to have to be like multiple touchdowns that they're down to really get away from Henry. This isn't like the Bengals with Joe Mixon, but like 13, three seems like plenty of time to still run Henry as much as possible. Yeah, probably. That, yeah, probably. You're probably right. Third quarter, that would probably be st- still be a lot of Derrick Henry. Uh, yeah, I don't think that New England. I, here, I guess the answer is I don't think New England can score enough. Uh, yeah, where I'm that's, that. Yeah. Where I'm that concerned, like it's you know 27 to nothing in the first half, and there's no Derrick Henry. I don't. I don't worry about. Uh, I don't really worry about that with him. I just think that New England's defense is just awesome. Yeah, I think he's the toughest player to project on this entire too. slate. I do too, because it's so good and going at such. It's like this. This huge, like the best running back in football right now. Uh, against the best defense in football, especially against running backs. It's hard. It's just such a dichotomy between the two. Right. His running backs don't matter versus defenses don't matter. <laughs> exactly. There you go. That that's, that could be a fun Twitter conversation yeah. right there. Uh, so then as we get down in running backs, you know, there aren't uh, – it's tough to find uh, the cheap running back to play, but it's going to be key on the slate. You know, you're going to have to find some salary here. You're going to have to play – I mean, you could probably play two big guys and then go cheap elsewhere, but you're going to need someone cheap at the flex or something. You're going to have to find – a cheap running back down here. There's, a, I think, the other popular one will be Devin Singletary. Uh, he's six thousand on DraftKings. He's at Houston. He's averaging nearly twenty touches a game in the last six weeks. Uh, not a lot of targets in the second half. Only one game over four targets, but did have seventy-five plus rushing yards in four of his last six. Uh, JJ Watt will be back and playing. Who knows how effective he will be? But that certainly helps the the Texans' run defense. But the the Texans have allowed a lot of big plays. They've allowed fifteen uh, runs of twenty plus yards at bottom five in the league. And that's that. Um, do you like Singletary this week? Uh, before we get to the the really cheap guys, I think he's the easiest play on the slate. Like okay. that's that's well, how that's, into so that's a, yeah. yeah yeah for sure. Like Houston defense is awful, and yes, Watt's coming back. But like you said, it's been a long time since he's played. Um, and Singletary is just considerably cheaper than the three guys we were just talking about. Um, when he yeah. probably has like his touch floor is probably higher than Camara's. Um, it's definitely lower than Cooks and Henry's, but he's also he has the best matchup uh, in terms of the defense that he's facing. So with six thousand on DraftKings, I think he's a, he's an easy play for me. Yeah, you think he's the highest percentage guy? Yeah, I do. Yeah, because I think everybody slots him in and like takes one of the one of the three above him, and they kind of split a little bit. I think that uh, 
You're probably right there. So in that same range, uh, you drop down a little bit. Uh, your boy Boston Scott is 5,800 on DraftKings. Uh, another great week last week. Miles Sanders hurt his ankle. Uh, Scott had three touchdowns, uh, 84 yards receiving, 54 yards rushing. He has six-plus targets in each of the last four weeks. Uh, he's pretty live if, if Miles Sanders sits. Uh, and Seattle's allowed multiple rush TDs in four straight games. Uh, not a good stat for their defense. I don't think the Seattle defense is good. I think they, they live on reputation a little bit in people's minds. Um, it's just tough because if Sanders plays, it sounds like he's going to play. It's a low ankle sprain, and they think he's going to play. It's, it's hard to figure out uh, the touches between him and, and it, Jordan Howard's there, too. He only had, I think he only had one touch last week. But yeah. uh, are you going to play Boston Scott at all this week, I guess, is my question. Uh, there's no way I play him if Sanders plays, and um, I'll do everything. I, I think I'll do everything I can not to play him. It's just like the the Philly backfield – other than Sanders is weird that like we just can't seem to get a single guy who's not Miles Sanders to get like a lot of touches. Like if Sanders is ruled out, I mean, there's talk that uh, like uh, Doug Peterson was saying, like they expect Howard to to like have a role this weekend. Who knows what how big of a role that is. But like that uncertainty is enough for me to really hesitate on Boston Scott. Um, the problem is that like when you look at the other options, I don't really want to dive into this Seattle backfield that seems completely split. Um, and even if it's not a 50-50 touch split, you have to think Marshawn Lynch gets the touches near the goal line. Um, yeah. And then you're like, okay, well, now I have the New England backfield um, of James White or Sonny Michelle. Michelle is significantly cheaper on DraftKings just because he doesn't catch any passes. White's obviously basically a wide receiver who happens to get a few rushing attempts. So... Um, you're choosing between those guys or if you want Carlos Hyde, I guess like you get the, the, it's, it's ugly in this range. And I have been like slowly convincing myself that I think white is actually the guy. And, uh, I only say that, um, since I was writing up my article for the slate that, um, the, the Titans aren't, um, aren't like good or bad against the, against running backs this year in terms of fantasy points allowed. However, they've given up the third most catches to running backs, um, which unlike the third most targets. So if like they're playing a defense that allows running backs to get out and catch passes, like isn't James White exactly the guy that you want? Yeah, I have no problem with James White. Uh, I, I usually avoid Patriots backfields, but you can't do that in a four game slate. Um, I actually think Sony Michelle is the best play of anybody down in this range. I think that uh, I'm not a Sony Michelle guy, but. 4,600 DraftKings, and he finished really strong, and the touches are what's key to me. I mean, he had 18, 21, and 19 carries last three games. Pretty big shift from what they were doing earlier on this year. There was like four games ago, he like barely saw the field. Then he had 89, 96, and 74 rush yards. You know, this is playoff time. The Pages are going to run the ball. Uh, You know, they they could get up in this game, as we mentioned earlier, even a small lead, and and they're going to run Michelle a ton. Um, he doesn't he doesn't catch passes, which kind of sucks on DraftKings. You mentioned that's why the price is low. But um, you know, Alvin Kamara had a, a, a two touchdowns on them two weeks ago. Carlos Hyde had 104 yards and a touchdown in Week 15 against uh, against Tennessee. I just think that uh, I think he's mispriced in this slate. I think 4600 compared to where everybody else is is just too low. I'll I'll agree with that. Like Michelle being behind like Jordan uh, Howard or Latavius Murray seems yeah made no sense considering how how much volume he has the last three weeks of the season when they when they have shifted kind of what they're trying to do and they're trying to get into their playoff mode. You could tell they're trying to do something different offense because they were struggling. Um, I think they're going to lean on Michelle uh, way more than the, 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 the DraftKings price tag uh, plays out. Yeah, I'll agree with that. The only other guy I do like here, you mentioned Marshawn Lynch of the goal line, so that, that worries me on Travis Homer. But Travis Homer looked good against the 49ers. He had 10 carries for 62 yards. When they really got going in the second half, it was a lot of like him and Russell Wilson kind of RPOs and you know deciding on the handoffs. He had five catches for 30 yards. Um, I think if you want to get down here in this range, I don't think Homer's a bad play at 5,300. I think he's got a little bit of upside there too. But the, the goal line situation is real. If they get down to the two-yard line, then one yard, they're going to want Marshawn to, to get, in the, get in the game. Although – Maybe not as much as they did when they were at home. Like you could tell they're trying to force that a little bit, but I still think any kind of short yardage goal line stuff is going to be Lynch. I mean, Lynch had more carries than Homer. Yeah, and uh, I, that was that was a mistake, by the way. <laughs> I think Homer, Homer was way more effective, and I was as a Niners fan, I was, I was way more concerned about him slashing a little bit than I was about Lynch going to the middle. Yeah, I think the encouraging thing is thirteen targets in the last two games uh, for yeah, Homer, I do which. I mean, he's definitely the guy. It's just like we said, when they get close, Lynch is going to come out. But at fifty three hundred, I guess it's not that bad to to have that. But I don't know. I'd probably do my best to avoid that situation. 
Okay, fair enough. Uh, speaking of DraftKings, a note from DraftKings, get a free six-month subscription to Rotowire free via DraftKings. Follow those easy steps to receive your free subscription today. One, go to DraftKings.com slash Rotowire-2019 and create a new DraftKings account. Two, make your first deposit of at least $10, and then also get a six-month Rotowire subscription free. That's a $60 value. You also receive a free $3 ticket for a one-day fantasy sports contest deposited into your account. That expires after one year. Eligibility restrictions apply. Only new DraftKings users are eligible. See DraftKings.com slash Rotowire-2019 for all details. So, Anders, you get into quarterbacks and receivers, uh, kind of clump them together this week. I, I think the big key on this slate is um, do you build with Breeze and Thomas or do you not? Like, it seems like that's kind of uh, that's kind of the first decision you have to make when you build any kind of lineup on the slate. Uh, <clears throat> how many quarterbacks are you actually considering of the eight? Uh, uh, it's a really good question. I think the answer for me is three. Three? Okay. And is Tom Brady one of them? He's not. Like, he's the cheapest. He is the cheapest. Like, how does that happen? I mean, he's awful. Uh, well, but, well uh, he has over 300 yards once in the last 10 weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a three, like, one three-touchdown game since week six. I mean, it's just a lack of weapons. He's just not that good, and I think they're going to run the ball more than pass. I, I, I don't – if you play at 5,800, like – you're probably uh, you're probably doing fine, but I just there's other guys I like more in a, in a short slate. Is he's not a guy I'm gonna play. That's how I feel. Like I just don't see like a monster game from Cousins, where, or from Cousins, from Brady, where you could see it. I, I don't see others. a monster game from Cousins. No, no, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So I assume Breeze and Wilson are two of the three. They're by far far and away the top two for me. I, I I actually really like Russell Wilson this week. It's just he's more expensive than Breeze, which makes it really hard so it's yeah. kind of a percentage play at that point but I, I really like Russell Wilson this week with all the running back injuries I think that in the second half of that Niners game I think they finally realized that if they're going to move the ball and score it's got to be Wilson and not kind of forcing the run game yep. and uh, I think he has a pretty game this week I don't like the Eagles D they're, they're better at home but I think that they're gettable especially in the past game it's just on DraftKings he's more expensive so I, th- I think those two are obviously the, the top two as well I mean there's a reason they're the most expensive but the third one like, I, I can't decide. Well, I think your third one is Carson Wentz. You're right. Because there's no way you play Josh Allen. But, like, I, uh, why isn't I it Josh do, Allen? I, I could see it being Josh Allen. He's probably, if you're, if you're going to add a fourth one, he'd probably be the guy just because I think that the upside is there in a GPP. I don't like the Houston defense. We talked about that earlier. Uh, he has nine rushing touchdowns this year. Uh, Houston gave up 300 plus yards and, and three touchdowns in three, uh, three of the last five games. And, Three plus touchdowns like three times in the second half. There's just a lot of stats that that show that they're very gettable. Uh, do you know Josh Allen's the only quarterback in the NFL not to have a 300 yard game at any point this year, though? <laughs> um, I probably would have put him on the list. Started, yeah. eight, started eight games or more, but uh, yeah, I think Josh Allen has the upside because of the rushing touchdowns. But I think you need you need a rushing touchdown for him to work. And the way they build their offense, like he tends to get those inside the red zone, but. Um, I'd probably play Carson Wentz over him just because he's thrown 40 passes in seven straight games. I think that game's going to be a little more back and forth than people think. I think that's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be some points scored in that game. I don't love either defense. Wentz just has so many damn injuries. I think, you know, Zach Gertz would have to play for me to me to play Wentz probably to get another weapon in there. But, yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't argue against Josh Allen. I just uh, – I think his ceiling is limited just because of the passing yards. But that rushing – the rushing titties, uh, you know, do make him interesting. Yeah. I, th- I mean, the fact that he's so close in price to Breeze and Wilson has to – make me think he's by far the lowest owned of that group. Like, yeah, I think that you automatically, when you look at those three, you're like, Oh, I'm not going to play Allen. He's definitely third of those three. And that's right. going to, that's going to be a nice percentage play. And in a, in a short slate like this, if you can get a quarterback with some, you know, rushing TD upside, that's, that's interesting. If, because he's going to be low percentage. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, Thanksgiving. Cause the bills were on that slate and, and everyone's like, no, oh, why would you play Josh Allen? And, uh, if I remember correctly, I'm trying to scroll through quickly here at Dallas. Yeah. Uh, 10 carries, 43 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. He had threw for one, 231 yards uh, for, uh, what was that, 23 and a half points? Like, that's, I think that's around where you can expect him to be ceiling wise. And the Texans are kind of a team where you would think you'd get a ceiling game out of a quarterback, right? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't argue against that play. And I think that the point about him being the same price as Breeze and Wilson is a really good one. I think mm-hmm. that people will automatically go to those uh, those guys first. Yeah. Okay. So no Deshaun. Uh, no no Deshaun Watson. Not for me. I mean, 6,400, so I, maybe some people play him just because the, the price looks nice. But 
Uh, he hasn't thrown for 300 yards since week seven. The Bills only allowed two 300-yard passers all year and more than three touchdowns once. I just think it's a, it's a matchup play that I want no part of. It's got Tredavious White, their, their best player on defense, is going to be able to guard DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, maybe if Will Fuller plays, uh, it kind of opens up the offense a little bit, but uh, he'd definitely be fourth for me among uh, – he'd be fifth for me among the guys over 6,000. So you put him ahead of Tannehill. I put him ahead of Tannehill this week. I just, uh, I, I just don't want any part of going to New England defense. I know that Miami played well last week. I just, I don't think I can do it. So I mean, you don't, he's, he's so you played. don't want the quarterback of the best offense in football. I know it's crazy, okay. right? I mean, he's got multiple TDs in seven straight games. I just, uh, I'm not doing on the road against a Belichick defense. If, uh, if, if I get burned on that, I'm okay with that. It's just not a play that I'm making this week. Yeah, the way I've been looking at the Patriots is, uh, the reason why they're struggling is not because of the defense, like. So if the defense is still elite, then why am I taking multiple yeah. guys? And everybody's against them? freaking out about the Stefan Gilmore game last week. He got lit up by Devontae Parker, he but did. Devontae Parker pretty much lit up anybody the last, uh, the last, last month of the season, last two months of the season. Um, I don't know. Stefan Gilmore's still really good. He's probably going to, he might even win defensive player of the year. I think he's the favorite for that right now. Um, I'm not going to take one game against a guy like that and, and kind of throw out the other 15 weeks. I just, I can go other ways. I'm just I'm not gonna play Tannehill. It may burn me. I, I kind of hope it does. I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to see them win that game. I love AJ Brown to death, but um, not who I'm playing this week. Yeah. Okay. I get that. So in the receivers, uh, Michael Thomas is obviously the guy. We talked about him nine thousand times this year. He's ninety three hundred on DraftKings. I think he's going to be obviously the the highest owned receiver. I think everybody's going to automatically go and click and play him. He has ten plus catches nine times. I get all the stats. Um, are you playing him this week? Is this, is it kind of one of your cornerstones? You just kind of move on from there. He's he. He was the first guy in my lineup. Like that, yeah. people love to say that, but like literally when we <laughs> when I went in, um, there was a brief chat before prices came out um, in our subscriber Discord. Somebody was like, "I hope that Thomas isn't like ten five because like that's probably where he should be on a short slate when they're favored by eight and a half. So like ninety three hundred that put it in my head. So ninety three hundred. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> like, um, especially because like I don't like it's a uh, twenty six hundred dollar difference. Um, excuse me, $1,600 difference to DeAndre Hopkins on DraftKings, uh, who's the second most expensive. But it's like the Hopkins' matchup, A.J. Brown is right behind him. Their matchups are just so bad that yep. um, Thomas like Thomas seems like a very easy play to me. Yeah, and the Vikings have had trouble with wide receivers all year. We yeah. kind of talked about that. Xavier Rhodes has not played well. Um, they've given up 500-yard receivers the last eight games. So I, I think that Thomas is – there's not much else to say about him. It's just a, it's a, an elite play and a good matchup at home and a, with a great quarterback. It, it's hard to really get away from that one. Uh, you mentioned Hopkins. He's getting, facing up against Tredavious White. The Bills have given up one touchdown to a wide receiver, one all year long. Kind of a crazy stat there. Um, he does have eight-plus targets in every game since week three. Uh, the, you know, the Bills have only allowed one touchdown over 15 yards all year long. It's just they, they, they play so well against the deep ball. Um, I don't know. I just think that I'm going to probably just go Thomas and then just kind of go cheaper wide receivers. I don't think I'm going to have a lot of Hopkins this week. Yeah, I, I just don't see a build where you're taking Thomas and Hopkins or Thomas and Brown because you're basically taking yourself out of the expensive running backs. And not that like you need to play Derrick Henry or, or Dalvin Cook uh, or Kamara. Like I think the, the way you're going to have to look at it is, am I going to get more out of the uh, 6K-ish running backs that or even down to Sonny Michelle, like, am I going to get more out of them or a 4,500 to 6,500 wide receiver? And so then it's like, oh, maybe, I mean, Thomas just takes up a decent amount of the salary cap that you're not going to be able to get a lot of these guys. And so that's why I think like Hopkins and Brown could be pretty underowned, uh, just cause like I'm struggling to see the builds where they make sense. Yeah, if you're going to play Michael Thomas and you have to play at least one of those running backs, it's just it's almost impossible to fit Hopkins or Brown in there. Right. So you're probably right. right in a GPP situation. I I'd probably prefer AJ Brown myself. I just think he's so dynamic and so good. But you know he's got Stephon Gilmore, really tough matchup. We mentioned Devontae Parker last week, but Stephon Gilmore's obviously still really good. Um, wide receivers, uh, you know, they only had four touchdowns all year against the Patriots. Although three of those three of those five were in the last three of those were in the last five weeks. So maybe they're bleeding a little bit, but still a spot where I should probably. I'm probably not going to focus on the, the Titans passing game that much. Yeah, I mean, for cash games, I just don't, I don't see the the reward in paying seventy four hundred for AJ Brown. Yeah, and I love AJ Brown, but I, I fully agree there. Uh, Julian Edelman in that same game, sixty five hundred DraftKings. Uh, he's pretty banged up to close the season. Only eighteen targets last two weeks. You could tell he was not himself out there. He mentioned uh, earlier today that he is feeling better. Uh, Logan Ryan, who plays the the slot there, uh, has been has struggled all year long against slot receivers. So the matchup's pretty good for Edelman. Uh, 
how do you feel about him at 6,500? Are you are you okay with the banged up? Are you worried about that? Uh, where do you fall on Edelman this week? I don't know how you like can't be worried about it. I mean, there's just been the the volume recently has been awful. Um, we're talking about the, th- the last three games where he has um, was this 18 targets, zero yep. in the red zone, like zero. Yeah. Uh, and what's we, you know Edelman doesn't score like a ton of touchdowns, but he is like a red zone. He's he's active in the red zone for them, and so. Uh, to not get a single look in there is uh, has to be a little concerning, and so um, I think like a healthy Edelman at sixty five hundred home against the Titans is like a steal. Um, but you just have to think like if he's really that limited, uh, and you're you know if if your realistic floor for Edelman is like nine to eleven targets, um, do you have to lower that to like seven to nine? Um, based on this it's really just the injury that you're worried about like the matchup i think you're not even thinking about the price i think is perfectly fine but if that injury lingers like maybe i like james white more because of the injury or whatever but i don't know that new england passing game as a whole is really ugly yeah he's the guy that that, that needed to buy more than anybody and that, yeah. that lost him i really hurt edelman uh, how about the the Seattle wide receivers? I actually like both of them this week. Uh, you look at Tyler Lockett; he's the more expensive one, seventy two hundred on DraftKings, seventy three hundred on FanDuel. The targets have been up the last two weeks, and that's kind of always the, the concern we had with Lockett. Was like they kind of go away from him. It's only a big play guy, but he has nine, eight, and seven targets last two weeks. They've they've been focusing on him. Uh, the Eagles have allowed ninety five yards to wide receiver for the last five. And you look at the stats since week thirteen: Michael Gallup was five for ninety eight last week. Terry McLaurin five for one thirty. Darius Slayton five for one fifty four and two touchdowns. Devontae Parker, 7 for 152 and two touchdowns. Like, there have been huge games against this uh, this Eagles uh, Eagles pass. Is why I liked Amari Cooper a couple weeks ago. It didn't work out. Um, but I think Lockett or Metcalf, one of them is going to have a big game. You know, figuring out who it is is, is a little more difficult. But uh, how do you feel about these two guys? And there's, is there, Do you have a preference? Is just kind of price-based? Uh, how do you feel about these two? I have that problem of, like, how do you know which one to take? I mean, this isn't like right. Godwin Evans, but, um, I mean, you obviously get – a salary break with Metcalf, but like Lockett's targets are up, but they're, I mean, I feel like he's just as inconsistent. I mean, Metcalf is coming off a huge game last week uh, in terms of targets. Like he had 12 targets last week. Um, But then he he had had the, he had the non Richard Sherman side of the field, which, uh, which helped his cause. Sure. Sure. Um, But like he had 10 targets total in weeks, 14, 15. um, And he had one that Arizona game. That Arizona game was weird. He had one target. Yeah, that was, so that was, like, I think it was a strange game. I don't know. It's a uh, Lockett falls in that same salary range as Brown and Hopkins. Of like, do I have? Do I even have money for that range? And right. but I think Matt. I mean, matchup wise, you. I don't know why you would play Hopkins or Brown over Lockett. Um, at least just just based on price and matchup, Hopkins I think is a significantly better receiver. Obviously, but. Um, I don't know the the eleven hundred on DraftKings to Metcalf made me think like maybe I'll just play Metcalf and then when you look at the guys in Metcalf's range you're like oh maybe there are actually other guys I'd rather play, um, but it, because like paying up for Lockett means now you're maybe you're not playing any of those top three running backs or you're playing Drew uh, Tom Brady or you know this it, pricing feels soft this week because like we don't have any guys other than Thomas who are like way up there and everybody's kind of condensed but it's not. Like when you actually get into a construction, like you're going to have to pay down at some spots in order to get a a $6,500 level wide receiver on DraftKings. So uh, it's a little tougher than that, which makes me think like I I struggled to get a a build where like Lockett was in. And I was like, oh, okay, I like the rest of this because um, it's a decent amount of salary for it. So then you're relying on Metcalf not to have one target. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, you can, that week 16 game against Arizona was just weird overall. But um, so we mentioned the Houston defense, how we don't like them. They've struggled with uh, receivers, fat, fast receivers this year. Um, how do you feel about John Brown coming in 6,000 on DraftKings then? Brown was the one when I was like, well, if I'm going to play Metcalf, maybe I should just play Brown. Um, right. It's funny to see Brown and Beasley basically this, or exactly the same price on DraftKings. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. Right next to each other, not the same price. Yeah, but Beasley six thousand six hundred. Yeah. yeah, Beasley twelve targets, hundred and eight yards against the Patriots in Week 16, and it's like, oh, okay, maybe that's why they're they're close. But I mean, Brown. The the thing with Brown is you're like, all right, well now I'm relying on Josh Allen, um, which is always a scary thing. But I think Brown is is the best option in this ring. Like I like him more than than Thielen at 6200. Like I wish Thielen had like one 
full game under his belt. Like I know he's been playing, but like hard, just... hard, hard to go there. I mean, right. he's just he's played twice since week nine. He has what seven targets. He has three catches. It's just, I mean, you could go. I mean, he's obviously really good. You can kind of go leap of faith there. But against New Orleans, that's that's a it's a tough one to get to for me. That's what it is. It's like a leap of faith, and so yeah. Um, I guess we're take, we'd rather take a leap of faith against the Texans' defense than than otherwise. But yeah, I really like Brown this week. Yeah, I I do too. He's he's in bold on my sheet here. He's one that that definitely stuck out to me. I'm a little bit worried about. Um, he's not quite as active as he was in, early in the season. He had uh, he had under four targets zero times week eleven. Then he has four targets in three of the last five. Yeah. But I think he's really good. I think that uh, you know he's he's a guy that could take the top off the defense. I think he's the the best option there in a, in a spot where I do like uh, I do like them to score some points for sure for sure. Uh, before I get to the uber cheap guys, where I do like a couple of them, and you're, we're going to need some uber cheap guys this week to get everybody else in, we have, do have Greg Ward kind of in the middle here, 5,200 on DraftKings. Pretty much the, the Eagles wide receiver one right now with all their injuries, uh, 9, 9, 5, and 7 targets the last four weeks. Hasn't topped 75 yards, but has 17 catches the last three weeks. Pretty nice uh, nice number for PPR, especially how cheap he's been recently. Uh, Seattle's about eight 100-yard receivers on the year. I don't think their pass defense is good. Again, I think that lives on reputation. Uh, Debo Samuel had 102 yards in them last week. Uh, do you like Gray Ward this week? I think Ward is the cheapest, reliable wideout on the slate. I think it's a good way to put it. Uh, so... Once you go under him, uh, you're just hoping. Um, so that's that's the big thing with him is that he's the cheapest guy I'm willing to trust for cash games. And then now I have to like convince myself of other people. Uh, unfortunately, I need at least one of them. <laughs> so, um, but I think so, there's going to be so a lot under, of I, Michael Thomas Greg Ward combos. Yeah, I, I do too. So under five thousand, you mentioned that you're gonna need you're gonna need someone. Uh, I have two guys here who I think are playable and interesting. Obviously, you're not going to get anything consistent, anything reliable down here, but uh, a couple interesting names. But I would ask you, who under 5,000, is there anybody that uh, that you like, uh, you know, maybe a little more than the others? Yeah, the, the two that I keep going back and forth on are the reasons why I don't want to play either of them are uh, <laughs> Mohamed Sanu and, and Keel Harry because – like if Edelman is really that banged up, like Brady's going to have to throw his passes somewhere. And those guys have gotten like just enough targets over the last few games to like make you think that they're okay. Like otherwise, I mean, Corey Davis or, I mean, you're just going like really far down the depth chart after that, uh, that it makes me, at least we know that those guys are going to be on the field, (laughs) like for more than 20 snaps. But I don't feel good about either of them because of the other guy, if that makes sense. Can't you just see the Nikhil Harry breakout game being in week one for the Patriots in the playoffs? Like you could just kind of you can see that headline get written, right? Maybe, maybe I, he's he's the one I chose, uh, at least on the whenever the last time I put a lineup together uh, over was, Sanu. Uh, but yeah, he was one of my two. I mean, he had seven start targets last week. You can tell that Brady's trying to get him more involved, but. I mean, he hasn't topped 30 yards all year. So you right. talk about leap of faith. That's pretty big, too. Yeah. He did have one but, one touchdown. I can't remember who it was against. Uh, that They called him out of bounds, and he wasn't. And the yeah, Patriots right. didn't have a, didn't have a uh, timeout to, to challenge it. So it was probably against the Jets, which is why I remember it. But um, So I'm going to pretend that he has a touchdown, which makes me feel a little <laughs> bit better. <laughs> uh, I don't I can't. Remember, I remember that play. I can't remember who it was against either. I don't. But uh, so the other guy in this range, I think you're obviously going to know who it is, just because I've talked about it a few times this year. Four thousand on DraftKings mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. Traquan Smith. Yep. Um, played twice as many snaps as Ted Ginn over the last two weeks. He had five targets last week, the most he had all year. Has scored in four of the last six weeks. So you know he, he's only topped two catches twice all year. So I mean, this is not another leap of faith here. But when you get a guy who's looks like the wide receiver two right now in an offense that has the highest implied total on the slate um, is the best offense on the slate. I think that's pretty clear is playing with a hall of fame quarterback is playing indoors playing against a, against a defense that we're not concerned about uh, stopping the pass. I think Traquan Smith is actually a really good play this week at 4,000. You know, it's obviously it's a boomer bust type of guy, but he's involved. He's involved in the red zone. He's catching some touchdowns. He's just involved in an offense going to score a lot of points. Um, if you're going to give me a situation like that in a short slate, I think I'm going to have a bunch of Traquan Smith this week. I mean, that's absolutely right. And I'm just going to quickly make a Ted Ginn lineup here. Hold on. <laughs> exactly. That's that's a good call. <laughs> yeah, no, Traquan, I mean, I mean, I, I've mistimed Traquan badly a couple times this year. But uh, I, I just think in a situation like this, he's the perfect setup and matchup. And if you're going to get someone at 4,000 in that kind of offense, 
Um, you know, in a Saint stack, I obviously really like it. So if you're going to go, I like going Breeze, Thomas, and Smith. Uh, it's just a, you, you probably want Jared Cook if you're doing that, but he's expensive. He's a little more expensive than everybody else. I mean, he's uh, he's 4900, so he's 4900 more. So not not that much more expensive actually when I look at it. He's he's a thousand more on Fanduel, but um, I think at 4000, if you're going to play someone, it's Traquan Smith or Nikhil Harry to me. I think they're they're a step above uh, kind of all the other cheaper guys, at least for me. I think that's that's the right read. Yep. So tight ends, I think it's very clear that uh, Dallas Goddard is going to be the most, uh, the, the highest owned at 5,200 with, uh, if, especially if Zach Ertz is out. Um, if Ertz plays, maybe Goddard and Jared Cook get uh, kind of split ownership a little bit. Uh, Cook, uh, you know, only nine targets last week. He has nine touchdowns the last 10 games. Very much of a kind of the deeper and red zone target for Drew Brees. He's kind of taken over that that role for, they've been looking for somebody in that spot. And it's kind of been Cook over the last like second half of the season. He's over 50 yards six straight weeks. Uh, do you like it? Do you have a strong feeling uh, between Cook and Goddard? Um, is there anybody else that you want to play besides these two guys? Um, it's definitely Goddard over Cook for me. Um, okay. Goddard, I think you can still consider even if Ertz plays. Um, I do too. I mean, six six plus targets in seven straight weeks, and a lot of those are with Zach Ertz. Right, right. And, uh, I mean, we know that Ertz is not going to be 100% even if he plays, so... Uh, I think Goddard's perfectly fine. And um, the only other guy I consider on this slate, only because once you start going down, like I think Jacob Hollister is like, I think they're all fine. Like I think Hollister's fine. I think Johnny Smith is fine. Um, Dawson Knox is only 2,900. I wish Hollister was like 3,700. Yes, I, agree. I agree. He's just so close to Cook that it's hard to get there. But I, yeah, I think he's, you know, 14 targets the last couple of weeks, and the, the Seahawks really used him. I mean, he had, the, he had the play that almost scored at the end of the Niners game uh, last week. Uh, he'd be my guy, too, but I just I wish he was a little cheaper. So go ahead with Dawson Knox. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think Knox could actually be popular um, just because he's uh, he does catch passes. Um, he's very cheap. He's playing against the worst defense of the of the eight, game, eight teams. Uh, and he doesn't, you know, he provides the salary savings that you do you get the opposite effect from when you pay up for Goddard or Cook or Ertz. And so um, if you play Ertz or Goddard, you're most likely paying significantly down for two wide receivers. Like I think you're possibly going in with like Traquan Smith and uh, in Keel Harry, uh, which, you know, is not terrible, but um, you go, you go, you go in Keel, huh? I go Nikhil. Nikhil. Oh, oh. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, what it we'll is. find out. We'll find out this week when he scores twice. <laughs> um, I mean, to be honest, Harry is a first name, so true. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so, and Knox is. I mean, I think we mentioned, but twenty nine hundred is really cheap. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. I think. I think he could be the second most popular one because he's so cheap, and it's a slate where, um, you know, on smaller slates like this where big scores. Uh, it's it's tougher to make up a big score, um, so you're going to want guys like Michael Thomas or Drew Brees. Uh, so I just don't know if like Dallas Goddard put a, puts up a huge enough score where you're like, man, I can't make up that p- score because I, uh, you know, from Goddard and uh, AJ Brown versus Michael Thomas and Knox, someone like that. Yeah, and Knox, you know, not a lot of big stuff. He only has sixty over 60 yards once all year, but he does play. He's involved. He has four targets in three of the last four games. So he's not a pure punt guy like no. he should be involved. It is a defense that we like attacking. I mean, you could see him you could see him actually being okay. And if he catches three or four balls, he's probably going to pay off just fine at the price. Right, right. I mean, he's the same price as this guy Joshua Perkins, who's like the backup tight end for the Eagles, which obviously could be the number two he, if Earth doesn't. He, but like, He scored last week, He right? did score last week, yes. Yeah. Um, I've ever seen him score. I'm like, I don't know who Perkins is. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. Not Paul Perkins. That's all I knew. Not Paul Perkins. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, he's kind of in this range of the Texans tight ends who uh, don't really do anything on a consistent basis, at least. And so um, Aikens, I did uh, did have seven targets last week, but uh, going against the Buffalo defense is not really one I want to get involved with. So I don't know. I The, the builds that I had with uh, Goddard... Um, I'm not sure I liked as much as the ones I liked that I had with Knox only because, um, I mean, it's, it's a significant salary difference for a position that doesn't, you know, you don't hear a lot of like slate breaking tight ends that aren't, uh, George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. 
Right. Exactly. That's uh, that's very true and a good point. Lastly, real quick on defense, uh, do you have a preferred defense among the eight this week? Uh, I really don't. Um, like, I, you can make a case for any of them. Some of them are just because they're cheap. Um, so I, I really don't like. I don't think uh, the Patriots' defense is, uh, needs to be like the most, ex- or I don't think you need to like prioritize them like we've had at points this season. Although thirty four hundred is probably the cheapest they've been all year. Um, I think Buffalo is probably my favorite at 3,100, but, um, the way that that was another, like just the way that construction came down that, uh, 3,100 was a little too much at than what I had for, for a defense. Yeah. For me, it's the saints at 3000 on DraftKings. They're expensive on FanDuel They're 4,700. I just think that the, the saints force force turnovers. They're at home, like the best game script of the, of the, of the batch for home sure. game seven for the biggest favorite. Um, Kirk Cousins can make some mistakes late if you need him to. So uh, for me, uh, probably the Saints in a lot of my lineups, and, unless I go uber cheap. But at, at three thousand, I think they're they're workable and they're they're my favorite defense. Pretty far, pretty far and away this week. If I'm going to pay, it's going to be the Saints. I think they're uh, I think they're the play. I like them more than New England at four dollars less. I definitely like them more. Okay, fair enough. But I mean, it's a it's a four game slate. You're going to be a defense that probably scores. Uh, good luck trying to figure it out. But if, for me, it, it's the Saints. And, uh, but you know it's tough on these short slates. Some defense is going to score and be a be a big difference maker. Ugh. It's going to be the Patriots. It's always the Patriots. Uh, probably. You could just see Tannehill in the second half throw pick six, right? At least one. Oh wow, at least one. Uh, I'm still going the Saints. Okay, I, I think that's fine. Anybody else uh, that you want to talk about on this uh, this short but fun slate? No, I think we got everyone I wanted to discuss. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, the DFS version. Uh, we will be back at you next week for the uh, divisional round. So look forward to that. It should be some really good games uh, next weekend. Uh, thanks for listening. If you could please, please rate and review the podcast. That would be fantastic if you enjoy listening to us all year. We greatly appreciate that. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Scott Jensted. Andrew is at Rotowire Andrew. Other than that, we'll be back at you next week. I hope everybody has a fantastic week and happy new year. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.